only on one accord tonight. Everybody together. Look, how many of y'all got to sleep past 10 o'clock today? Okay, that's a couple of them. All right, 6.30. I need a water gun. I'm fixing to get all of y'all. Who slept past 10 o'clock tonight? Which one of y'all slept past 10? Who raised their hand? Judy, you almost did. All right, well, you're going to come up here and lead us in worship tonight. You got the most energy in here tonight, then. Y'all's leaders in this place is tired. Anybody else tired in here tonight? Woo-hoo, hallelujah. <laughs> all right, so I work with children all the time. I'm just about every Sunday, uh, a lot of, not every Sunday, but a lot of times on Sunday. And their favorite game to play, can anybody guess what it is? No. I work with like children five and up. Four corners. Do y'all know how to play four corners? You do know how to play? All right. So this is going to be corner one, two, three, four. Okay? So one, two, three, four. Y'all gonna have to remember me what corners that I'll be forgot. Okay, so do you know who does not know how to play four corners? Hey, Will, you really don't? Okay, so you guys are gonna choose a corner. I'm gonna close my eyes, and y'all gonna choose a corner. And if I choose your corner, then you're out. Okay, so we'll get you up and moving. All right, so go ahead and choose a corner. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Four. If you need to run, you better run. If you're not at a corner, you're going to have to sit down. Three, two, one, zero. Corner number three. Go. If you're on the corner, you got to sit down. You know the object of the game is to be quiet, so I don't know what corner you that there's anybody in the corner. Some of you guys will not be able to complete that task. All right. Go again. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. 
services have been good and she was talking about we need to uh what did she say fan the fire fan the fire i said we just need to have something and we call it fan the flame i said like a regional i mean a, a, a youth thing or not even youth but not to keep this fan this flame um going that has started this week i'm proud of you guys you guys have been uh, awesome to watch worship um and so michael turn it to you Let's give Pastor Michael a big hand. What's up, everybody? Everybody doing good?
is 349. That's rough. Hey, quit talking. <laughs> He's been mean to you? Kick him in the knee. He'll fall down. He's tall. <laughs> All right, guys. So what we have assembled for you guys here today is a panel of pastors and leaders. I want to introduce them to you. We have Miss Elise Bethay, who is from Northview. She is part of our Northview uh, youth group leaders. Pastor DJ uh, Bird of McCall Pentecostal Holiness Church. Pastor Jason Watson, Cross Point uh, PH Church, right across from the high school. Pastor Cody Hunt, who is a youth pastor at McCall PH. We have Pastor Tim Hodge from here at Northview. And Pastor Bishop, not to play, uh, Chris Hunter, who is the youth leader, youth pastor at uh, New Hope Baptist Church. Amen. So what we guys we're going to do, we have some of you guys have submitted some questions. I think we have about five or six questions uh, that you guys have submitted or uh, whoever had submitted them. Um, and we're going to throw them up on the screen. So you'll be able to see them up here as well. Um, you'll be able to see them and um, they'll give the, the panel an opportunity to answer them the best that they can according to scripture. Um, and then we'll open the floor and open up for you guys to answer questions as well if you didn't get to put it in uh, the bag this week, okay? Sound good? This is the time for you guys to, to be open and to be honest and ask real questions um, because these guys have uh, want, want to see the best out of you guys. This, this is why we wanted to do this, to be able to help you guys to, to be better uh, Christians, to be better a better light to the world that you're going into. If you got questions... We'll do our best to answer those questions for you, okay? All right, so the first question. How do you read the Bible? How do you read the Bible? When you guys want to start it off? Huh? <laughs> What's that? What's that? Top to bottom, left to right. <laughs> That's it. That's my first guess. I think the important thing is that you just read it. You just read it. And that's the most important thing, I think, because we can get so... And, and we have to, to make time and opportunity because Scripture says to renew your mind. And so Scripture won't renew your mind if you don't read it. There's a lot of things when you get saved. How did I start talking first? How did that happen? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so... There's a lot of things when you get saved that you have to unlearn. And this is, this is something I actually just recently preached on about renewing our mind. There's a lot of things you have to unlearn when you're surrounded in a culture that doesn't think the way you think. It doesn't do things the way you do them. Scripture tells us how we're supposed to do things. And, and God tells us how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to talk and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to carry ourselves. And so by reading Scripture, it renews your mind by teaching you the way that you're supposed to, to be. And how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to talk and how you're supposed to do these different things. And so I think the most important part about how to read your Bible is the first thing that you start reading it. So that's just my little two cent. Anybody else want to chime in? Feel free to chime in. had a hard time just like opening up and just reading I don't know I don't comprehend very well like that so um, I used to be a part of this Bible study and the leader 
she would have these podcasts, so she would give you, like, scripture to read every day, and then she would, like, recap it. Like, it's called the Bible recap, so you understand what you're reading, and you're not just reading words on a page, and then, like, what was that? So. Yeah, that's good. Hand over hand. I like to be alone when I read mine. Um, because I have the attention span of a squirrel. So like if the TV's on or the music's on, like I get caught up on what's going on around me. Like my wife, she'll have praise and worship going. She'll have candles burning and I'm like, how? Um, so I usually either go to the room um, or my office at church and I kind of just get to myself. And, Cause that's, to me, that's the intimate time with God. Like, yeah, we can read our Bible, but then there's actually reading your Bible. Um, and those are two completely different things. So I like to get alone. That way, it might be a scripture that I've read a thousand times before, but because there's nothing to distract me, I read it a little different, and God kind of opens up and says, hey, this is what this really means. So I just kind of like to be alone to myself when I read my Bible. Read for quality, not quantity. In other words... You see all these how to read your Bible in a year things, and you see people brag about, I've read my Bible 18 times this year. If you only read two scriptures a day, but you actually read them, and you actually take your time and say, God, what does this really mean, and how does it apply to me? So read for quantity. I mean, excuse me, quality not quantity. Don't don't go in there and think I need to read too. If you go try to read too much, you're going to walk out and say I ain't got a clue what I just read. But if you go read two scriptures and say Lord show me and then just dwell on those for a day and then go back you'll learn more. Yeah. I got a, a few things that I would add. Um, be intentional with it. Um, I think that you Uh, you have to be intentional if about anything that you want to do and do successfully, and it's no different in reading your Bible. And, um, and I think just like these other pastors were saying, you can't just read it; you have to study it. So I think that you need to go in that um, into your Bible study with a plan, and it might be a plan that you make up yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to read through this book of the Bible, and then I'm going to read through this one, or I'm going to read through. Um, a book of the New Testament and then the Old Testament. But I think you need to have a plan. There's tons of free plans that you can find online. If you have a study Bible, most likely it has a plan or several plans in it. There's free apps that you can download. Uh, and I think having study Bible study tools to go along with your Bible commentaries and references and things like that are extremely helpful for those really challenging passages that you get into and you don't know um, what a word means or what what some what the author's trying to say and and look for um, what what is God trying to say through what you're reading a lot of times especially uh, we live in such a divisive culture you know you got to be on this side or that side we will go to our Bible looking for um, some scriptures that validate the way we already think or the way we feel about something but that's that's not right to do, right? We're not supposed to use our Bible to beat somebody else up or just prove that we're right. I think it's really important to go into your Bible study with an open mind and think, 
what is God trying to say to me? What's, what is his will for my life? Not, I can pick and choose these verses to support the way that I want to live and ignore the rest. So, uh, and one last thing is look for Jesus everywhere in the Bible. Um, he's not just in the Gospels. He's, he's everywhere. And I highlighted this verse just, this is Jesus himself speaking in uh, John five thirty nine. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. When he was speaking that, he wasn't talking about the New Testament because it hadn't been written yet. He was talking about the Old Testament. So now that knowing what we know now, Jesus has already come and lived and, and died and rose again. We have a, a perspective. We can look back on the New Testament and learn so much from it, and it will help you appreciate the New Testament a lot more. So don't neglect anything out of it. It's, it's all good stuff. Okay, let the old man in the group throw in two cents worth. What is this? The Bible. Who wrote it? Say it again. That is correct. Who wrote it? Two people are listening to me. Who wrote it? God. Out loud, everybody on three. One, two, three. God wrote it. It's 66 books. He used a bunch of different guys to write it over a couple of thousand years or so, a little less. But God wrote this book. The illustration has been that every man that God used to write the scripture, the man held the pen, but God put his hand on the man's hand. And every word is inspired. We believe that. So when I read the Bible, I'm not just reading it for information, y'all. I want to know what the author is saying to me today. Why did he take so much time and put so much effort to share his heart? That's what I want to know. So there's a lot of, everything everybody has said up here is great wisdom, great insight. Let me give you something real practical. What's today's date? Oh, y'all don't know yet because school hadn't started back yet, right? It is August the 12th. Thank you. It is August the 12th. Here's a good little discipline for you. How many, tip, how many days are there typically in a month? 30 or 31, right? If you'll take the date, like today is the 12th, and read Proverbs 12, tomorrow read Proverbs 13. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so you can get one a day and do that every month as a discipline. And I will tell you what, you'll find a whole lot of wisdom that God will put in you and make that a discipline. I do that, and then I go through the book of Psalms, like I would read Psalms 12, excuse me, the book of Psalms, yes, yeah, Psalms 12, and say next month, uh, I may say, you know what, I read Psalms 12 last month. I read through it again. Nothing jumps out at me. I need to know what God is wanting to say to me today. So uh, I may say, what's three times 12? Thank you. Somebody's ready to go back to school. <laughs> so I may jump over to Psalms 36. That's just a simple thing. And let me say this one more thing. Everybody listen to me real good. All right. There's a whole lot of stuff you can do. Let me pick it back on my brother right here. Something he said. How many of you all have the attention span of a squirrel? All right, so 
my wife and I were talking today, and uh, I told her this question was going to come up, and I said, "How would you? How would you answer that?" She said, well, "Open your Bible and read it." Then she said, "Or open your app." Let me say this: I love my Bible apps, but one of the greatest distractions you can have in your hand is your smart device. Because as soon as you say, I'm going to read my Bible, how many of you have ever gotten two words into it and beep, there's a beep and you flip over and check that notification. Everybody raise your hand if it's happened. Don't lie. Come on, lightning's going to be coming up in here if you lie. Yeah, I've been there, done that. So I would encourage you, get the Bible in a page version, all right? And do that. And let me give you this one last thing. Years ago, the Lord spoke to me. Here's what he said. He said, Tim, if you will ingest it, I will digest it. Because how many of you ever read a few verses and you're like, I don't understand that? Come on. Yeah? Listen, here's the thing, though. How many of you have eaten today? What's the favorite thing you ate today, Gabe? Chicken Damn, boy. What? Where you been at? Olive Garden? <laughs> Who wants to go and visit Gabe's house tonight when we're done here? All right. Somebody text Melissa. Tell her we're all coming over. Better put on some more chicken Alfredo and noodles. All right. So how many of you, anybody else eating today? Okay. When you ate it, did you sit there and your mind go to work? Okay. How is this going to digest in my body? Anybody? No, you didn't. You just ate it and you let the rest of it take its course, right? Guys, look, if you will ingest the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs, one of his things that he loves to do is he'll break it down in your spirit, okay? Let the Holy Spirit do his work and let the word do his work. Just put it in and let it work. Do you guys have any feedback? Do you have any more follow-up questions to that? Everybody understand? Make sense? There's about four of you. There's about seven of you. Okay. All right, let's go to the next question. How do I stay connected to Jesus when there are so many temptations? This is good. Good, good. Anybody want to kick this one off? Jason? <laughs> Since you're right there in the middle, you and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> how do you stay connected I think it uh, one word that Pastor Tim used that we've used before is discipline um, being surrounded by culture you find yourself in the middle saturated with culture of the world all the time but you've got to be disciplined in your time with God um, that's, how, that's how I do it I read scripture I worship I drive an hour to work and an hour home every single day, so there's plenty of time to listen to a podcast, or there's plenty of time to listen to a sermon, or to pray, or to call somebody on the phone and talk to them about Jesus, and so I use that time as an opportunity to draw closer to God, because you will. You will find yourself surrounded um, by so much of the world. You have to be disciplined, and, and I don't mean disciplined as in a traditional or religious type of, I mean, like, you have to have a relationship with Jesus the person, your savior. And when you do that, it, it makes it a lot easier to resist temptations. Intentional. 
Somebody used that word, intentional. I make the effort. How many of you drive? How many of you drive just around the house? You don't really have your license. How many of you drive a golf cart? How many of you drive a bicycle? How many of you drive something? Your parents crazy. No. I, was about to, I was about to say that. <laughs> when you drive, if you're going to be a successful driver, what do you do? You're intentional about watching where you're going. And if you're going, temptation's going to be there, and you won't win them all. You will fail. You will make mistakes. But if you will be intentional about living for Jesus, and that means I focus on him, that I make sure that I don't look left or right. You know, when you're driving, you can glance. And it's usually not a glance that gets you. It's when you look too long. So what I encourage you to do is be intentional, and it, it's hard being your age. It, thank God I'm not your age now. Uh, there's so much out there, and I'm telling you, the devil is vying hard for your attention because he's afraid of you. He's really afraid of what you're doing. Your boldness surpasses my generation of boldness. We weren't as bold as you were. You're bold in everything. So understand that every temptation is not a failure. And most temptation is designed for one thing, to distract you, to get you off course and away from what God's wanting you to do. So be intentional. Be intentional in reading your Bible. Be intentional with who you hang out with. I know you want to be with the cool kids. Everybody does. But sometimes the cool kids aren't the best kids. So just be intentional. And understand that when you miss it, a temptation comes and you miss it, doesn't mean you're not, you're all of a sudden disconnected from Jesus and he's left you and you're gone. He's not. Get back focused and get back connected. But be intentional about your salvation. How many of you have a thermostat in your house that controls your uh, air conditioning or your heat? Have you adjusted it any? It's hot outside, right? Um, so you go up to that thermostat. What does it tell you when you look at it? What does it tell you? The temperature, the temperature where? In the house. If it says 75 and you're hot, what do you do, Gabe? Turn it down. And what does that do? Okay, so this thing's not just telling you what the temperature is. It controls the temperature. And guys, I want you to know, look, there's something inside of you, your spirit-led conscience, that it's not just telling you the, the temperature or the culture in your life. You set the culture, okay? Like you set the temperature with that thermostat. Um, how many of y'all got an app on your phone that plays music? Does it play all good music or have you been playing stuff that Jesus wouldn't listen to? I'm asking a serious question on that now because that's part of your thermostat. And guess what? If you're playing something that uh, if Jesus were to poof, pop up right in front of your face and about five seconds into those lyrics, would Jesus look at you with an eyebrow raised? Because if he would then I promise you the Holy Spirit is inside of you not liking what you're listening to. And there are things like that that you cannot give any room. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, give no place to the devil. And there are some things, look, there are some movies you can't watch. If you want, if you really, see that lady on the front row right there? 
That's my wife. And on the 18th of this month, she and I will be married 38 years. Sorry, 17th. Sorry, I'm thinking about the day of the week. But guess what? We dated three years before that. I had just turned 17. She was 16. I'm from McCall. She's from Laurenburg. It was quite an interesting feat. But listen, not once in those 38 years have I been unfaithful to her. You know why? Because I made a commitment to her. I made a covenant with her in marriage. And I have kept that commitment. You know why? I don't, she doesn't have to wake up in the morning and hit me and say, hey, don't you be looking at women today. You know why? Because that's in my heart that I'm not going to do that. And if it's in your heart that you're going to be a Christian, yes, temptations are going to come. But I'm going to tell you what. It's a challenge of your heart, guys. And you can help that atmosphere. You can help that culture. You can help the devil or you can hinder the devil. I'm going to leave it right there. One way that I can uh, stay connected um, is because I know that I need grace. Okay. Uh, so... I grew up in a little Southern Baptist church in Robinson County. Now, if you, on a Sunday morning, if you did not come in with your tie on, ready, to, like, it was strict. So, leading into my walk with God throughout my early age, it was straight line. Like, you have to be perfect. You have to be perfect or Jesus isn't going to love you. Well, the more I matured in my walk, the more I realized that, the only person that's ever been perfect on this earth is Jesus. I'm going to fall short. I'm going to listen to a song I'm not supposed to listen to. I'm going to stump my toe and say a word I'm not supposed to say. Especially the little one. I don't know if y'all have ever hit the little one on like the corner of the couch. But I'm going to fall short. So that makes me realize that, okay... Even though I do fall short daily, the Bible tells us that we fall short daily, but his grace is renewed. And I'm not telling you, oh, go out here and do all these wild things and just know, hey, Jesus is still going to love you. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, the moment you get in your head that I'm never going to be perfect, I'm never going to be Jesus, and even in the moments where I don't feel like he should love me, those are the moments where he loves you the most. Those are the moments where Jesus is saying, hey, just open the door and I'm right here. Um, so I think a lot of times we just kind of blow it out of proportion, so to say, that we have to be top-notch for God at all times. Uh, when in fact, even when we're at our lowest, uh, where we don't even love ourselves, God is like, it's just saying, hey, I still love you. And the moment we realize that, then there's going to be some, like a, a bond that you make with Christ that makes you realize that, hey, even at my weakest in my walk, I still have him. Uh, going back to intentional, being intentional, uh, set safeguards in place. Once you realize the things that you're tempted by, then 
put safeguards in place that will keep you out of that situation. Um, um, I know that pornography is extremely difficult to deal with um, and it's easier to access than it's ever been before, but there are things that you can put on your phone so that you can have an accountability partner that also sees everything on your phone that you can see and you can hook that up, up with somebody that you trust and that will actually hold you accountable and having accountability partners in, in all walks of life is good. And if you know that you have friends that are, I will just use vaping as an example, and they're vaping and you know that you don't need to be doing that, you've done it in the past and you're tempted to do it again, then there's just no way around it. You need to stay away from those friends, even if you really care about them. I've done that in my own life. Um, after coming back to Jesus, um, I was a heavy drinker and the friends that I really loved, that I really wanted to be around, I know that the temptation for me was there and that uh, uh, most of the time I would not be able to walk out of their house without having a drink and then one turns into two and two to three and three to four, okay? But I realized I can't be around them anymore and it's hard and it hurts and a lot of times they took that the wrong way and they thought, Chris thinks he's better than me now. It's not that, but I knew for for me to stay connected to Jesus, I had to separate myself from other people, uh, certain people. So just put safeguards, safeguards in place, uh, especially in your relationships. Um, if you're dating somebody, if you want to date somebody, set up those safeguards from the get-go and say, we're not going to be alone together when nobody else is around. Um, you know, those kind of things put those safeguards in place so that you can stop that temptation before you have to deal with it. I guess my answer kind of piggybacks off his, but just, um, I was going to say, just choose your surroundings wisely. Um, you know, I know to you guys that friends, you know, your friends at school and stuff or everything and you have to face them every day, but in 10 years, you're probably only going to talk to about two of them, maybe. So um, just, you know, it, like he said, if you have issues with drugs, then on the weekends or at night, then if you have a group of friends that's participating in that stuff, then maybe you should stay home or find someone in your youth group or someone in your church to hang out with, to, to hold you accountable for the things that you have going on. So. Anybody have a follow-up? You guys have a question to anything? Didn't quite understand? or It's good stuff. Y'all too quiet. Lieutenant Avery say, start talking. They look afraid. <laughs> we're not going to jump out and get you. Processing, I got you. That's what we're going to go with. We ain't going to jump out and hit you. We ain't going to hit it over here, okay? All right, what's the next question, guys? How long does it take before you realize the calling on your life? That's good. I'll well, take this one. This was my favorite one. This was my favorite one. I tried to talk to my wife about it. She said, don't talk to me about it. Talk to them about it. Because your wife gets preached. You'll find this out if you're in ministry. Your spouse gets preached to a lot. Amen. Amen. And they preach a lot. Yeah, well, well, now, see, thank you. I wasn't, I wasn't going there, but thank you, brother. You're welcome. So that, that's a fellow Macaulayan right there. Um, when I was thinking about that, 
I was thinking about how long does it take before you realize, and I think there's two steps to understanding your calling. Number one is realizing that number two is accepting it. Okay? Um, I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for 18 years. I know it's hard to believe, looking 25, how you could be been pastor in 18 years, but, you know. I was raised typical in Laurel Hill. I did my own thing, you know, went to church growing up. I was part of the youth group because God didn't, he was nice to me when I got older. I got in the club scene. Uh, I clubbed in McCall before I ever pastored in McCall. And uh, I would go to church on Sunday morning, give God one hour because he didn't kill me this week. I partied all night last night. He kept me alive. I'll get out before, you know, the conviction gets too strong. You ever been there? Preacher's preaching, and you're thinking, please shut up, please shut up. I'm, well, one Sunday, I didn't make it out. The Lord saved me. And then I remember some time got into it. I was trying to learn everything I could learn. And even though I'd been going to church a while, there was a lot I didn't know. But these three little boys in our youth group. Well, we didn't really have a youth group. Three little boys. One of them was preacher's son. They would come up to me every Sunday night and say, please take us and do a class with us. We hate it in here. These, it's, they're old. They're boring. We don't. The, the boy that his daddy was the pastor and his, da his daddy was young. He said, I don't understand. Nothing going on in here. And I would constantly say, I can't. No. I mean, I don't know enough to go teach you. I don't even can't teach myself. One Sunday, though, I don't know what happened. They asked me, and I said, after weeks and weeks, I said, okay. And I remember thinking, what did you just do? I said, okay, I'll go in there and get through this one few minutes, and I'll never, I'll never do it again. Well, I went in there, and I had no lesson. But I remembered Moses, because I'd been taught Moses from the time I started going to church young. And I just stood before these three little boys, and I opened the Bible, and I read about Moses, and I began to talk to them. I don't even know if what I told them was actually absolutely correct. Lord, forgive me if it wouldn't. But what I knew in that moment was, this is what you're called to do. I didn't understand it. I, I didn't, you know, I, I get around pastors all the time, and they have these great stories of how God, they heard God say, John, I, the great God, have called you to carry the gospel. I never got that. I never got that. But I just knew this is it. This is what you're supposed to do. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't tell anybody. I didn't understand how to tell it. So I went to my pastor and I said, okay, uh, can I do a class with these boys on Wednesday, on Sunday night? Thinking there'll only be three. He handed me a book. I don't, I don't know if Tim may remember this. Talk Sheets for Juniors. Or it was one of those. That book's been around 20 years and you actually copy the lesson and teach it. Well, I started doing that, and I start, I don't, it just, I don't know. I just knew. Well, then later on, that transition to pastoring, and many people kept saying, God's called you to pastor, and I'd say, you're wrong. I don't like adults. I don't want to talk to adults. I don't want to preach to adults. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? I'm going to stay back here, and you need to go to college. You need to do that. I know I'm not interested. I even have one. One of my pastors brought me a stack of books that high and said, you need to go get your pastor's license. I said, okay. I took them home and threw them in the closet. Because I didn't, I didn't, I, I realized I was called to the youth, but I didn't understand how I would be pastoring grown people. 
And so somewhere in the midst of that, you're probably waiting for the punchline for me to say, this is how you'll know, and I don't have it. I'm not going to tell you how you'll know. But here's what I'll leave you with this. You'll know. You'll know. And you'll probably find it to start with. But you'll know. And like the old folks, how many have ever heard this? And I'm going to shut up. You, you ever heard the old folks say, you know and you know her? You ever heard that? Man, for most of my life, I tried to find the knower. I'd say, go to the older folks in the church. I'd say, where's this knower at? They'd say, it's in there. And I'm like, where? They say, you just know and you know her. And I was like, what do you mean you just know and you know her? It drove me wild. Well, then guess what? One day, I figured out where my knower was. And I knew him, I knew her. And I knew it. I knew God had called me. Now, I didn't understand what it was going to look like. I didn't know what I was to do next. But you will know when the time is right, you will know. And you will know unmistakably. Let me, let me pick it back on what Pastor DJ was saying there. All right. Um, let me ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm still trying to figure that out. I told Pastor Jason, when I grow up, I'm going to be like him. That's what I told him earlier. Because you know what? I don't think we ever grow up. I think life is a great adventure. And it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 28 or 58 or 98. Every day is a great adventure with God. Listen, in Jeremiah chapter 1, God told Jeremiah, who was a young teenage boy at that time, he said, Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Listen now, and God said, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So here's, here's my answer to this. How long does it take before you realize the calling on your life? That's completely going to be up to you because God already knows what he wants you to do. I was 18 years old in college going into medicine when the, when the Lord, when I submitted on a Friday night in my dorm room, broken before God, ugly crying because God had been tugging on my heart, tugging on my heart that he wanted me to be a pastor. And I was like, I ain't being no pastor. Your people broke. Yep. <laughs> they got to put up with stupid people all the time. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to make money. I'm going to have houses and cars and a whole bunch of girlfriends. Wasn't married at the time. But this girl in Larnberg, she was after me because she was like, I'm going to marry a doctor. He's going to be rich and I'm going to be his wife. <laughs> and she also said, I'll never marry a pastor. She grew up in a pastor's home. She said, I am not ever marrying a pastor. Boy, did God play some jokes on me and her, didn't he? But listen, guys, whole thing is this. God already knows what he's going to want you to, what he wants you to do. It's in your DNA. Everybody say DNA. DNA. All right. Uh, Chris will give you $5 if you can tell me what DNA stands for right now. He'll give you $5. What's it stand for? Oh, come on. Deoxyribonucleic acid. Y'all knew that? You didn't know that, Hannah? All right, I'm going to give you a I love honesty. All right. 
All right, I want you to get your phone out right now. Get your phone out right now. Put this in your notes. Send yourself a text. Ready? Because that's your natural DNA. But God's got a spiritual DNA, and this is what I want you to text. DNA, ready? It's for destined, necessary accomplishments. That's your calling. It's what God put inside of you. As much as your mom and your dad's DNA gave you your eyes and your nose and your ear and your hair and your, you're either tall or short, light or olive complexion or dark complexion, but listen, your father in heaven has put something inside of your spirit that he wants you to accomplish. And the sooner you submit to that, the better. My only regret with what I do is that I didn't start doing it earlier in life. Uh, young people realize that at the very simplest form, we all have the same calling, right? We, our calling is to know God and to make him known, right? And so what you have to figure out is how he wants you to do that. And, uh, and my first initial reaction to that question is just like, hey, when y'all figure it out, let me know. Because I'm like, Pastor Tim, I don't want to grow up, and I don't, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. But I know that when, when you realize the calling that's on your life, it's going to be something that you're good at. Um, you, even though you might not feel like you're equipped to do it, God will equip you to do it. And when you walk into it, you'll, you'll realize that you're good at it and you enjoy it. So uh, until then, just be, just be there. Just be open. Just be willing to serve. Try things out. If you have no clue, then just try something. And if, it, uh, if you hate it, then that's not your calling. And just keep, keep looking and just keep praying and say, God, I'm here. What do you want me to do? And he'll show you. Yeah, um, far as realizing the calling on my life, um, I, like all these other guys up here, I can't give you a, des a definite answer. Um, you could walk out today and have a Jesus moment on the way home and realize, hey, this is the calling of my life. Or 20 years from now, you can still try to figure it out. Um, but for me, the big aha moment was... Uh, right after high school, um, I kind of, I had a lot of jobs and nothing in my life was really clicking. Uh, but the one thing that was constant was even in the world, like, because yeah, I, I, was, I was wild. I wasn't this calm demeanor that you see me now. Um, it was, it was rough. Uh, but I would bounce around from job to job, and I'd get to a job, like I sold cars for a little while, and I was good at it, because um, as y'all could tell, I love to talk. Uh, so if you love to talk, you're going to be an excellent car salesman. Um, I was good at it, but it didn't stick. So I went and I started selling phones, good at it, didn't stick. And I just bounced around a lot. But the one thing that was constant in my life was the urge for more, because I knew there was more out there than just waking up, going somewhere, giving somebody 10, 8, 10, 12 hours of my day, 
going home, repeating. Um, and then finally when me and my wife got married, uh, we went to past DJ's church. And I'd been in and out of church. Um, and that's that was my aha moment when I walked in. Um, I remember a video that I seen not too long ago. It was DJ actually baptizing me, uh, and he told it, during in the video. It says, "No matter where you go," DJ saying this to me. Um, no matter where you go, you can always come home. And the moment I stepped through the doors, it was like, "Okay, this is what I've been searching for." That that was my aha moment, and through everything. All those holes that were empty, all that searching for more, knowing that there was more out there destined for me, all those are being filled. All the wanting to be greats and do great things and all the things that we dream of as a kid, there's nothing greater than sitting down with someone who's searching for answers, showing them the way to the answers, and them accepting the answers. This week, I've sat in second row, front row, and I've watched y'all, and y'all are hungry for answers. Who knows, some of y'all might have figured out your calling this week, but when I watched y'all this week worship and just soak in the word, that's how I knew I was on the right track because of watching y'all. When I think about um, your calling, <clears throat> first thing we can't do is think that everybody's called to be a pastor because not everybody's called to be a pastor. I actually, <laughs> I love to pastor, but I love to evangelize more than I love to pastor because I love to go to India. We're going to India again, and, and I love getting out there, and I love, I don't even, I don't speak nothing. I don't speak the language they speak, but I speak English, and I have a translator, and he translates, and, and I've seen God do some, some mighty things. I've seen God do things in India that I've never seen in the United States. Had I never been, had I, had I never had a passion, and that's the word I'm gonna use in a moment, if I'd never had a passion, a drive, a calling to go to India, I, I can't promise you that I'd be a pastor today. That sounds crazy, I know. Um, but I think a lot of what you'll feel inside is, is a pressure. Not a push, but a pressure. You'll feel a passion inside of you to do what God's called you to do. Whatever that looks like. And, and that pressure and that passion is important because it, what will happen is, there's a lot of good things you'll want to do. But then there's the God things that God's designed you to do and prepared you for. And that passion is typically a good indicator of what God's called you to do. So I like to refer to it as a submarine effect. If you go deep underwater and you don't have the right pressure, what happens? Come on, I know we're not in science class, but if there's pressure on the outside and no pressure on the inside, what happens? Implosion, right? If you don't have that passion to do what God's called you to do, if you don't have a pressure inside of you to do what God's called you to do, then you will crush under the pressure of expectation. It's the submarine effect. And so I encourage you to spend time with God. And, and there's no better way to find out what God's called you to do than to be in his presence and ask him. 
In fact, one night I woke up, I was fasting. This is before I was a pastor. I was fasting and I was just, and he, he woke me up like Thor in the middle of the night. I just, pow, on my chest. And I was like, hey. And he said, read this particular piece of scripture. And I said, okay. And I fell back asleep. And it was like, I don't know if you've ever been asleep in a thunderstorm, but lightning strikes really close and you can see the light go through, through your eyelids. Like I seen this electricity flow through me and wow, hit me in the, in the chest. And I was like, oh, hey, read this scripture. Okay, I'm going to read the scripture. I fell back asleep and it happened again. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, I, I open up the Bible. I turn the light on. Wife's asleep beside me and I'm, I'm reading the scripture. And, and it says, I've called you to be a disciple. Or gave me the scripture of him going through picking his disciples, Jesus picking disciples. And so I, I'm a little slow at times. And so I'm like, okay, you're picking your disciples. That's great. That's, ooh, all right. And I go back to sleep. And then we went to Accelerant Youth Conference, and I had taken a bunch of youth uh, to, with some other people to Accelerant Youth Conference, and, and we were right in the middle of worship, and I was like, eh, to worship you, I live. And all of a sudden, God says, reminded me of that moment I was in the bed, and he hit me with the hammer like Thor. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. And he's like, I called you to be a disciple. Okay. It took me three years. <laughs> Three years for him for him to get through this slow mind of what he was calling me to do. Who who in this room is ever going to travel with Pastor Jason and want to be his roommate? <laughs> Just saying, bro, you're on your own. It's all I don't right. like lightning in my sleep. I'm gonna kick you. Said, bro, you better go talk to the Lord. <laughs> and so um, th there was this passion inside of me. There was this there was this this calling inside of me and I knew it in my newer I knew it in my knowing when when it hit me when I finally got it I realized man this is what God's called me to do and you will if, if you're if you're and I encourage you get involved in in your in your youth group get involved in your church get involved like that's what the church is all about like these these events and these things are great for you to grow but if you don't ever go out and do anything with it then you've so use this time, use this information, connect with somebody in your church who, who has a little bit of experience and, and ask them these questions. But anyway. Um, I'm gonna stop going last because they keep taking all my answers, but <laughs> um, I think it's important, like you said, that just to realize that everyone doesn't have to be called to be the preacher or the youth pastor or the music director or the children's pastor like I always joke with my husband and tell him that oh I don't like to pray out loud I feel like I can't get my words out but while we were at Accelerant <clears throat> the Lord was tugging on my heart to go pray for Courtney and when you do that and obey I don't know, it just starts flowing out and the Lord gives you things to say and reminds you of your purpose or whatever it is in the moment. So I just want to encourage you that <clears throat> just start small. If the, if the Lord's tugging at your heart to take someone in your youth group because you haven't seen them in four weeks, do that. If the Lord's tugging on your heart to stand up and share a word to your youth group or testimony, do that. Um, start with the tugging. And 
and I've had to realize that a lot lately, like, the devil's not tugging on my heart and making it pound really fast, telling me to go pray for my neighbor. That's the Lord. So obey the tugging. If your hands are sweaty and you feel like you're about to jump out your seat, you should probably jump out your seat. I just want to add a couple of things. Not add, but just reverberate. Dave said it, but everybody's not called to be a pastor. And you should really say, thank God. Because I'm telling you, this, this, is, this thing's hard. But everybody's called to be a preacher. Now, what, what, what do you mean? I, that's what I call my pastor. He's a preacher. No. There, a preacher is simply a person who proclaims. Preaching, by definition, in its purest form, means to proclaim. Proclaim the good news. That may be, I was out at Scotland the other day, and everybody here knows Paul Lemon, and you know we feed football. Have you ever been fed by Paul Lemon? He fed last night. Okay. We, 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 we fed, the other night at Scotland High School, we fed five teams of football players. Chicken. Big old chicken. Well, before they got an opportunity, watch this now. Before they got an opportunity to eat that chicken, they all had to stand on that football field. And they had to, they had to be ministered to by a dog. This man has a, his son had died, and I don't want to take too much time. Just cut my microphone off if I go too far. This man's son had died several years ago, and he had a dog. And so this guy made it through after his son had died, and this, he said, I'm going to use this dog to teach people about Jesus. So he took a dog that could do tricks. And I won't go through everything he done, because if I do, I'll go, because that dog amazed me. I was over there talking to myself. They probably thought, this dude is crazy. But he used a dog, y'all, a dog, and proclaimed the gospel probably to more people. I tell people, Paul Lemon proclaims the gospel to more people than any church within two states. So maybe it's not pastoring, but it might, it's going to have to do with proclaiming the gospel, telling people about Jesus. And the second thing I would tell you is don't let every, anybody tell you you're not good enough to do it. I'm looking at two girls that look like Michael Malpass. Y'all might know who they are. Me and Michael were raised in the same town, just a couple blocks from each other. I came from the Black Sheep family. My family was known. We partied. We drank. Michael came from Pastor Donnie Malpass's family, one of the greatest families in Laurel Hill, in the county. Pastor Laurel Hill Baptist Church, about 900 years it felt like but never aged I couldn't figure that out but anyhow me and Michael were a little different we were I don't want to say too much in front of his children but we were rough so when we see each other we always joke about we were the least listen to me we were the least likely to be called the pastor matter of fact I see people today, and Michael still does too, and they'll say, hey, I ain't seen you a long time. What you doing? I say, I'm a pastor. And they go, yeah, yeah. I, uh, then they tried to make you feel good and said, I always thought. I, I said, no, no, you didn't because I did. So don't let anybody stop you. If God calls you to take a dog, now I'm telling you, that man, I'm telling you, that man ministered to, I don't know how, there was five teams with about 80 players on each one of them. So do whatever. And the third thing I would tell you is this. Start now. 
Well, I don't know what to do. Go do what you know to do. Before I ever stepped on a pulpit, before I ever began, it took me 10 years to become a pastor. Before I ever done any of that, I worked in the sound booth. I worked as the Royal Ranger assistant. You know what the Royal Ranger assistant does? He does what the leader tells him to do. He writes notes down. He don't teach. He don't talk till he's talked to. I ran, worked in the sound booth. I did that. I did whatever. Make yourself available. Let people know. Let people know, I'm available. I want to do something in this church. Doesn't matter what it is. I want to start working. Let your youth leader know. Let your pastor know. I want to start working. And do what you can because there's things you can do. You, you can do it. And start now and begin training. And, and the last thing I would say is, say, Lord, I know there's a calling in my life. I need a mentor. You, you need a mentor. You, and a mentor is not your friend. I remember with, when Cody sat in my office a while back, I looked at him like I do with all young ministers that come through, and I said, do you want a mentor or do you want a friend? Say, because if you want me to be your friend, you can come to church, we'll go buddy. Not saying we'll never go anywhere and do anything, but we'll buddy out, we'll chum around, and I'll be your friend, but I can't help your destiny. But if you want a mentor, somebody who will call you on the carpet if you need to, but will also say, here, Cody, go do this and challenge you, then I'll do that. What do you want? And if you want a mentor, God will put a mentor in your life. And it'll be somebody who will stretch you, challenge you. Sometimes Cody probably don't like me a whole lot. See? Told you. But the thing is, you know, if you've seen a bungee cord, it's about that long till it's what? Stretched. Begin now. Find somebody who will stretch you. Who will challenge you? Who may say, I need you to open up the prayer. And you say, I can't pray. I can't talk. You know? Yeah, you're going to do it. And if you get up there and say, Lord, thank you for this day. Amen. Be challenged. Be stretched. Be mentored. And be available. I'm sorry I took so much time. My bad. You're not on the panel. I'm not on the panel. I just want to share something that helped me as a youth. Pastor Blaise would always tell us, and I didn't understand it until I understood it, but he would always tell us that, an, that your anointing, an anointing is costly, and God will anoint you for what he's called you to do. But don't pray. Maybe you think, I, I want to I do what she does, or I want to preach like him, or I want to sing like her. That's a, that's a uh, dangerous prayer to pray because everyone's anointing come with the cost. You have no idea what that person, what they have faced um, it behind their back, closed doors and all to get to where they are. So when you're praying, just like Pastor DJ said, serve, 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 serve. We have some opportunities for Northview people, just kids to serve, by the way. But <laughs> you're probably throwing it out. But to just to serve, 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 and then, and, and then to just ask the Lord, you know, while you're praying for your calling, be unique in your calling and realize that Holy Spirit is giving you things and dreams and visions and all for you to walk it out because he created you to be you and not to be somebody else. It's good stuff. Um, Pastor Glenn Walter said, don't be a cheap copy of somebody else. Um, I don't, you know, it's good to emulate and look up to someone um, but like, like Manny said, you don't know what they've been through to get to that point that they are in life. These guys have, you know, Pastor Jason, Pastor DJ, and Pastor Tim has been pastoring for a while now. Um, and, and the level of anointing that they have in, in their calling as pastors 
um, it costs. And as youth leaders and youth pastors, it costs. It costs time. It costs self-will. A lot of times they said, I don't want to do this. Um, for me, I'd ran and ran as long as I could. I knew that God had called me, but it took somebody from camp and one of the pastors, Zach Kelly, who pastors now in, in um, Fayetteville, he, I was laying praying. I said, God, you're going to have to speak to me. Send me somebody that's going to say, hey, you're called. What are you doing? Like, wake up, dude. So that's, that was me. I was like, you've got to do this. I was praying. I literally went on as far as I could on the right side of the altar at our camp. And I was just praying, hoping nobody would come over there where I was. Um, but be careful what you pray to, to the Lord because he, he's going to hear that prayer. And he's going to do it in a way that's specifically for you. And he will let you know, hey, I heard you. Uh, and, and he'll realize that calling. But as I was sitting over there on that right side of the stage in, in, in High Point at the camp, he come over to me. And this is all he said to me. He said, what are you waiting for? And got up and walked away. That's all he said to me. And at that moment, that's when I knew that's when the light went off. All right, Lord, I, I got to do this thing because <laughs> you literally just did what I asked you to do. But, in, you know, so he, he does that. And realize, like you said, just serve in any way you can. For me, the first time I got up and spoke on a Wednesday night for a youth service, I was shaking. Like, they gave me a cup of water, and I knocked a cup of water over, and, and it was all over the stage. And, like, I was hoping nobody saw that, but everybody saw it. I mean, I just nodded right over. I was so nervous. And it probably I had probably about eight, ten pages of stuff of just scriptures. And I was up there all of about six minutes. But it was a start. It was a start. I was, I was, I was speaking, and I still speed read. Some people tell me I need to slow down sometimes while I'm preaching, but I, I realize just start somewhere and realize that God will do the rest. Maybe it ain't to preach. Maybe it ain't to teach. Maybe it ain't to uh, do sound. Whatever you're called to do, God will show you if you ask him and realize, like I said, just take baby steps. It takes baby steps. All right. You guys got anything? We're going to skip the next one, Tyler, and go to the one after that. This is a good one. Oh, man, this is going to, we might be here for a few minutes. What is the best way to deal with spiritual warfare? Man. I'll jump on this one first. I'm from McCall. I like a good fight. <laughs> All right, y'all tell me, what do you, when you think of spiritual warfare, what do you think? Y'all tell me. Okay, temptation. What else? Spiritual warfare. What is it? What do you think of? Say again? Testing your faith. Testing your faith? Okay. It's temptation, testing your faith. So, all right, well, let's break it down this way. What is warfare? What's a war? Two sides, fighting to win Two sides fighting to win. So if it's a spiritual warfare, if it's a spiritual war, then there must be something happening spiritually, right? So how many of y'all know there's a devil and the devil's got followers called demons, right? That's in the Bible, right? Jesus was tempted. How many times we know written in the temptation when he was after he was in the wilderness? For 40 days, 40 nights, Satan came to him, what, three times? Okay, so 
Everybody look at me for a second. If Satan's going to come at Jesus, he's coming at you too. Maybe not necessarily him, but he is going to have one of his little underlings come and mess with you. So how does that happen? Well, it comes through temptation. It comes through fear. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, lust. Anxiety. Depression. Now, let me digress right there with depression. I know there can be some clinical stuff that, that's chemically induced, but sometimes that is demonically influenced as well. So whenever you do this, let me go ahead and tell you right now. Does anybody remember how Jesus combated the devil when the devil said, you know what, if you bow down and worship me, when he took him up to that pinnacle and showed him all the nations of the world, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. What did Jesus do? He said, it is written. Jesus quoted the Bible to the devil. So what's the best way to deal with spiritual warfare? Anytime you've got doubt, fear, unbelief, or anything you know that is not the will of God coming against your mind, because that's the battlefield, y'all, right there between your ears. Everybody touch, touch your head right there. Say, that's where, look at your neighbors, and that's where it's happening right there. That's where the devil's coming at you. Okay, so listen. In the book of Colossians, I believe it is, it said that Jesus at the cross disarmed principalities and powers. So he stripped the devil of anything that the devil could use against you except for one thing. All right? If you come up here and you disarm me, you can take this microphone. You can take my knife out of my pocket. You can take my gun. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, you can take any weapon I've got. You can handcuff me, tie me up. And set me right here. But what's the one thing I'm still going to have that I can get at you with? La, 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 la. I'm still going to annoy the daylights out of you with the sound of my voice. And there's one thing that the enemy has left that he comes against us with. He speaks. And that's what spiritual warfare really is, y'all. It's when the enemy is bombarding your mind with things that is contrary to the will of God. Number one way to fight that. I'm going to leave it right there. You guys can go into all the deep stuff, but I'm going to tell you what. Jesus said it is written. And I'm going to tell you what. It, look, you can say, well, Pastor Tim, I don't know any scripture. Just try this. Jesus wept. There you go. That's good. I'll go next. I'm, I'm a talker. He's pastoring in McCall. That's right. I'm, I'm, there's things that happen in McCall. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a principle I teach my people, and they should know this. If they don't know it, I'll be totally upset with them. So hopefully they look like they know it. What is it? Your battle is never with with a person your battle is never with a person it's always with the spirit you start talking about me I hear you saying some ugly things about me okay you are saying I'm ugly I'm bald headed I'm dumb I ain't cool as you my what what's going to be what am I going to want to do first thing I'm going to want to go to her and battle with her and say, or I'm gonna go say, well, let me tell you about her. Let me tell you about Locklear. She's da 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 da. My battle, though, is not with you. 
even though you are maybe what's being used because here's what you got to understand the Holy God doesn't do anything on this earth that he doesn't do by the Holy Spirit through people we're praying for Jesus to come down and do a bunch of stuff Jesus says I done done all I'm going to do I died on the cross I got up out the grave I went and sat down at the right hand of the Father and I ain't getting back up till I come to get my children but he's empowered you with the same spirit to raise Christ from the dead so my battle's not with you but the tendency, the Bible says we don't, we don't fight with the same weapons. Our weapons are not carnal. Carnal is another word for fleshly. So I ain't going to talk bad about you. I ain't going to come at you. What I'm going to do is get in the prayer closet and say, okay, God, my battle's not with her. My battle's with whatever spirit is operating through her. Now, I'm not trying to say she's possessed. I'm not trying to say she needs an exorcism, none of that. But what I'm saying is my battle is never with a person. I don't wrestle men struggle. I don't struggle with other flesh. Now, my own flesh is different, but it's only because of spirit. So whenever I face spiritual warfare, there's always a spirit there. And I've got to identify that spirit. Then I've got to get in my word, and I've got to figure out how do I attack that spirit and defeat that spirit, not the person. I'm not battling the person. We wrestle not against flesh. Your, 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 your battle ain't with your mama. Your, your battle ain't with that woman, that, that girl at school that keeps talking about you and writing ugly things on the bathroom wall. You know, that's not your battle. Your, your battle is not with that person who thinks they're better than you and they keep putting you down. Your battle is with that spirit that's operating through them. And if you will figure out how to defeat that spirit and the Holy Spirit in you will show you, then you'll win in spiritual warfare. But the moment I try to engage you in the flesh and in the natural, I've lost. I'm, I will not win that battle. Because flesh on flesh, what wins? Flesh and nothing wins. So my challenge to you is remember, spiritual warfare is against the spirit. You may say, well, I don't know how to fight a spirit. The word, faith. Praise. Sometimes you just got to sing. Sometimes you just got to praise. Lord, I don't Lord, I bless you, I honor you, I give you glory today. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. That you don't got to say it to the person, but you're attacking a spirit. So remember, your battle is never with people. It's with a spirit operating that's looking for a body to operate through. And when you defeat that spirit, it's over and done with. So your battle will never be with, with, with other people. It'll always be with that spirit. So figure out what that spirit is. Is it fear working through them? Is it intimidation trying to intimidate you? Figure out what that is, attack it, and defeat it, and you'll win. I'll just connect a, a dot. That's all I'm going to do. If you keep reading... Uh, in Ephesians 6, and you get to verse 14, it says, Stand firm then. And now, this is exactly, this is just right after where Pastor DJ picked, uh, where he left off. I'm picking up. So he's told us that we're not fighting against flesh, we're fighting against spirits. And he said, And then he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you have it right there. He, he's told you, here's your weapons, and here are your, here's your armor, and here's your weapons. And that's how you fight. Um, and that's just a, a little connect the dot. And then I want to throw this in there. It sounds 
kind of silly and kind of funny, but it's, it's important. Realize when you are in spiritual warfare and when you're not. If, if you realize that you're in spiritual warfare, then, then you've probably, you're, you're halfway there. But a lot of times we're not in spiritual battles. A lot of times we're making dumb choices. So, yeah, don't help them. I mean, the Bible also says that we're led astray by our own sinful desires. So, just be honest with yourself and look at your circumstances and the situations that you're in, and realize: Am I in a spiritual battle, or am I doing this to myself? Just real quick, not every battle is worth your time and attention. Not, not, not everything everybody says needs you to fight and defend yourself. Yeah, choose your battles wisely. Let the Lord fight your battles for you. Hey, I didn't want to take her answer. Elise is going first on the next one. Um... One way that I, I fight or deal with spiritual warfare, um, and it's going to sound weird, is saturation. Um, let me explain that. If I have a flower, say I got a flower pot right here and I have a flower, um, and I'm trying to grow that flower, I'm trying to help that flower live its best life, okay? I'm not just going to leave it in the flower pot, Okay? I'm going to water it. I'm going to feed it. I'm going to give that flower everything it needs to succeed and grow. And that's part of dealing with spiritual warfare. You have to realize that spiritual warfare, if the devil knows you're weak and he knows that he can attack you, he's going to attack you. But the more you saturate yourself in the word um, and just dig, live in live in the word, live in praise and worship music. There's this great podcast that I listen to sometimes, occasionally called Pastor to Pastor. Y'all might not have heard it. Um, you know, yeah, some guy named Jason. I, I, yeah, I hear he's from around here. I hadn't met him yet, but, you know, he's, I really would like to meet him if y'all know who I'm talking about. Um, um, just put positive things in your life um, because, and it goes back to what Jason says also, not everything somebody says or does or some action requires a reaction. Because um, the Bible tells us that Jesus has already fought the battles and the battles have won. So if he's already fought them and they're already won, choose your battles wisely. You know, Don't say, well, you know, Cross said something about my shoes. He don't like my shoes. So I'm going to pick on Cross because he don't like my shoes. I mean... Some things don't require a reaction, folks. Okay. Can I say one more thing before you get started, Elise? I was just going to say amen to all that, and I'll start with the next one. <laughs> you going to go first on the next one? Okay, you can go first. Let me just throw this out. Y'all still got your phones out where y'all sent yourself a text or jotted a note a minute ago? Because I got another one for you. Go ahead. Ready? Ready? Okay. Y'all are a little bit younger than me, right? Y'all still in school and stuff. People talk about y'all. Y'all ever have that happen? All right, I want you to put this scripture. Isaiah 
54, chapter 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, 17. How many of you ever had somebody talk trash about you? Raise your hand, wave at me. Did you want to go punch them in the throat? If your mom and daddy wouldn't have whooped you when you got home, would you have done it? If you wouldn't have got kicked out of school, would you have gone and done it? You'd have felt good, wouldn't you? I'm just playing. No, you wouldn't because you'd have been convicted after you would have done it. But here's the thing. Let me tell you what to do. Next time somebody talks trash about you, I want you to, I want you to use this verse. Let me tell you what it says. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It does not stop there. A lot of people quote that verse and stop there. The rest of it says, and every tongue that rises up that rises up against me, I shall condemn. I'm putting it in my person here. I shall condemn. Listen, it says, because that's my heritage as a child of God. So you know what? What they're saying, what the enemy's trying to do, somebody said, who is it? Was it? Who said something about like the devil uses people? Was that you, Pastor DJ? How many of y'all seen these guys, these comedians that they got these dummies that they put their hand in the back and they make the dummy's head turn and his eyes move and his mouth move and the guy's doing their ventriloquist? Anybody know any of their names? Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham, yep. All right, let me tell you. A lot of people, when they start talking about y'all and the devil's using them, all they are is a dummy sitting in the devil's lap. All right? So you know what? You don't say that to them, but just say that in your head. I want you to look at them next time, and in your mind, I want you to say in your funniest voice, you're just a, de you're just a dummy in the devil's lap, all right? Do not say that out loud, okay? Don't go home and get kicked out of school, and your mama and daddy call me wanting to know why I said that in church, okay? But that's all they are is a, is a dummy sitting in the devil's lap. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me, I shall condemn. You know what that means? I make everything, everything they say bad about me, I call it down to the earth to be null and void. They're going to have to hush up and shut up, and everything they say bad about me is going to turn around on them. That's what God's going to work through me. I think the biggest thing out of that, guys, is realize who you are fighting against. That's the really biggest thing. Realize who you're fighting against. All right? This will be the last question here, guys, and then we're going to end it with worship, okay? You good? That's our worship for tonight. All right, Miss Elise, what's the difference? this time. How do you deal with the struggle of anxiety? <clears throat> um, so I'm just going to be completely honest today. When I was looking at the questions, I was like, God, I can't answer that one because I deal with that myself. And so I'm not going to sit up here and act like I have it all together and that we don't go through things just like you do because that's a lie. But I think um, my anxiety stems from fear. So, like, and I don't really think I honestly realized that until last night after hearing the word. Um, but just, like, today taking the step up on the stage and getting up here because like when Michael texted me and was like I can't find a woman to do it will you do it and I was like oh my god are you going to give me the questions like who's on it all these experienced people and then there's me like Ugh. so um but one of my favorite things to do is like when I feel like I'm having anxiety is put some worship music on or um Recently, my mother-in-law gave me this scripture. 
it says, for the spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. So um, just declaring that over, I do not have a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Just um, speaking over yourself or singing or, or whatever helps you calm down. Praying. This too shall pass. What do you mean, preacher? Anxiety is something everybody in this room deals with. I get anxiety, which means you're anxious over church situations. And I, I remember years ago, I was playing church league softball. And I was really a hothead. And we were done wrong in a game. Umpire blew it. And I was coaching my team, and I let him know he blew it. Nicely, I didn't cuss him out, but I went and said, that's not right. You cannot end this game like that. It is, it's in the rules. You cannot do it. Well, he, he just kind of dismissed me. So I went a little louder. You cannot do that. That is not the way the rules are written. So that didn't work. I went to the guy over the park and I said to him, this is what happened. Now, I'm not as calm as I am right now because I was anxious. This can't happen. You can't do this. You can't finish in this game with the parts. Guy said, you're right. We got to put these teams back on. They got to finish this game. Well, it was us and the other team. I won't say the church. It's not Norfolk. I'll tell you that. No, it wasn't Norfolk. But uh, they put the other team back on. They were the best in the league. We were competing for first place. We beat them. They won when they cut it short. When they made them finish, we won. And I remember walking off going, yay, we won. Then I went, ooh, you showed your backside. And I went home, and all night long, I was really anxious over that stuff. Because earlier in a softball tournament, I was walking up steps, going to get something to drink, and this guy stopped me and said, hey, you were in that drama the other day at our church, wouldn't you? I thought, yeah, thank God I didn't show myself out here at this ball game. So I was really anxious because I knew I was right. I was right. I argued my point. But I went home and I was really bothering me. So I called a pastor friend of mine whose name is Mike Porter, who I got saved under, who was probably one of the people that I could call today and say, I shot 25 people and I buried all their bodies. And he would say, well, I love you. Come on to the house and we'll, we'll work through it. He wouldn't put me down. He wouldn't turn his back on me. And I called him. I was like, man, I really messed up, man. I'm supposed to be better than that. I'm supposed to be. So my anxiety level was up. And he said, hey, hey, hey. In the scope of eternity, this is just a bleep. And so even though that made me feel better because I knew that it was a tough situation. But this too shall pass. Early on in pastor, and even now, there'll be situations that I feel like I need to fix right now in my church with people. I need to fix it right now. I need to call. Not to be mean, but I got to fix it. I got to call somebody. I got to call them. I got to call them. I got to call them right now. I got to fix it right now. That's anxiety. Because if I don't fix it, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And what the Lord showed me was this too shall pass. Not making light of what makes us anxious. He was just saying, slow down. And what I found is whenever I get anxious, 
if I don't make a decision in that moment, that is the best thing for me to do. But I feel like I got to make it right now. I got to make it right now. But usually a decision made in a, a place of anxiety or anxiousness, just like one made in frustration, is not a good place. So I go to sleep on it. And you know what? I wake up the next day and usually it has passed, taken care of itself, or at bare minimum and best, I have a clear view, perspective of how to handle that. And sometimes how to handle it is this from God. Shh. I don't want to shh. My wife will tell you I don't want to shh. You figured out tonight. That, good amen. You figured out here today, I don't like to shh. I am a preacher. I have the gift of talking. I will talk to that speaker. But when you get anxious, it's usually you feel you need to prove something, fix something, change something, do something. Now, And all that is is the devil trying to speed your buttons up. You better fix it. You better fix it. You better fix it. You better fix it. So try to practice this. This too shall pass. I'm not going to make a decision right now. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to talk to that person right now. I'm not going to text that person. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to have a brand new perspective. And a lot of times, you know what? I wake up the next day, and I go, what had me so bound up and running like a rat on a wheel. You ever seen a rat on a wheel? Man, he's running, he's running, but nothing's happening. And I wake up the next day, and the day before, man, inside was racing. And I'm talking about as a 27-year-old man, no, as a 50-year-old man, I'm racing, I'm racing. I wake up the next day, and I'm not racing anymore. I'm, I'm not racing. I'm calm with it. But what the devil wanted me to do was he wanted to push my buttons and speed me up and get me to make a decision the day before and do something and make a bad decision or fix something when I just needed to go to bed and let it sit. So this too shall pass. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to read two uh, pieces, or one piece of scripture here with two verses. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Cheater. Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Yeah, guys, that peace of God, and that's Philippians chapter 4. Put that on the phone right there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, all right? And that's verses 6 and 7, I believe, that he just quoted. Be anxious for nothing. That's a commandment, all right? How many of y'all have crazy stuff going on at home sometime? Anybody? Anybody got any crazy siblings? Act the fool? All right? All right. <laughs> Don't say anything about your wife, bro. She's, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, Miss Jennifer. How you doing? All right. How I many sometimes, let's be honest, how I many sometimes your parents act crazy? I mean, I'm just being serious. Stress? I mean, come on. How many of you, sometimes your parents get stressed out? And I mean, let's be honest. It happens, all right? I mean, job situations, help situations, money stuff, and, uh, and that piles up at home, right? Right? So let me ask you a question with this. All right. Everybody say, be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything, with prayer and supplication. Supplication is just a fancy word for giving up your request to God, okay? Prayer and supplication. Look what he says, with thanksgiving. To get that, he says, pray with thanksgiving. So I'm not just going to pray, God, help this situation in our house. God, help me with this situation at school. And then just leave it right there. But I'm going to say, God, and right now, I thank you in advance for doing that. So I'm going to start giving God praise in advance. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. Listen to this. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That guard is an important word because that, that verse was originally written in Greek and that verse literally means to stand guard like an armed guard with their weapon drawn. That, they would, that God will cause peace to watch over your heart. Okay? Uh, we've got a family member acting a fool. Now, like I said, I grew up in McCall and I used to be mean. And uh, I was bad. I had a bad reputation. When Christ saved me, he did a good work, and he's still doing that good work, y'all. Uh, but we've got a situation with a family member in our family, and used to in days gone by, I would have gotten in my car, I would have went and grabbed him, thrown him on the ground, and got in his face and told him, you're going to quit acting a fool where I'm going to beat the snot out of you. Did I say that out loud? It's the truth. You're from McCall. I'm from McCall. But uh, you know what? In this whole situation with that family member, I have been praying, and I've been praying this verse, these verses right here, the peace of God. And my wife said the other day that she was proud of the way I've handled this situation. And I said, well, thank you, baby, but I can't say that I have not been tempted to get in my car and take a little road trip. But I have allowed God to guard my heart and my mind so I'm not giving in to this anxiety. And look, if this crazy guy can do it, you can do it. Because it's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to him. It's his peace that stands guard. Uh, I'm going to steal a line from our speaker at camp. When we went to camp this year, um, all of these things that you're worried about when you're laying in bed and you think, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if they find out this? What? All of this going on. If there's two words that that I want to tell you, it's he knows. God knows. Everything that you're going through, everything you're dealing with, and everything you're scared of or worried about what might happen, he knows. And if you know what he has promised you, that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you, that he's with you to the end of the age, then what do you really have to be scared of? Is it going to matter years from now? And is it going to keep you out of heaven? Don't worry about it. If the answer to those is no, don't worry about it. And that's really all I have for The question says, how do you deal with the struggle of anxiety? Um, Mike, can I be, I'll be real for a second? I still like to think I'm pretty young. My body tells me different because if y'all have watched me this week, I hobble around here like an old man. Um, but I still like to think I'm pretty young. So to answer the question, I'm going to be real with you. Yes, getting into scripture is nice. It's great. That'll take away all anxiety. But the question was, how do I deal with anxiety? And I'm going to be honest with y'all. 
there's two things I do. One, I play the game, bro. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and say I get into the scriptures and I dive and I play the video game. I mean, that 30 minutes of not focusing on what that problem is that's got me stressed out. So you can ask Hayden, my son, I don't have a console of my own, but Hayden seems to have every one that's ever been made in, in the history of ever. Um, I will go into his room and be like, hey, man, can you plug up? I'm going to show my age here. Um, can, you, can you plug up the PlayStation 3 and let me play college football? Because they hadn't made one since 2014. But um, so, of course, he'll, yeah, Dan, yeah, yeah, Dan. Um, and the next thing I do, uh, and this actually brings me more of a common feeling than playing the game, is I get Hayden and his sister Zoe, who's over there, acting like she's shy, and my wife, um, and we have a family movie night. Um, we leave our phones in the living room, cut them off, and... We pick a movie all of us want to see, and we get popcorn, and we drink sodas, and we get chips, and to just unplug. Because I think sometimes in this society, and this culture that we live in, everybody has to be plugged in at all times. Like, at any point in time, I can get my phone, and I can tell you what people across the world are doing, because it's constantly plugged-in society. So to take that moment and unplug and just decompress and say, you know what, for a brief moment, I'm going to do what makes me happy and just breathe. I mean, we, we see the flowers and we know they're beautiful, but we don't ever stop to smell them. So just take a minute, unplug, relax. If people laugh at you because you play the game, guess what? Let them laugh. Because at the end, when they stressed out and they 30 years old, 40 years old, and they're losing their hair because they're stressed. <laughs> but DJ, not you or Jason. Uh, or Chris. <laughs> but, and they got, got these frown lines because they hadn't smiled in 20 years. And But you up here... You know, looking youthful <laughs> and spry. Baby, you got any money in your pocketbook? I need to pay this man. <laughs> because life is life is for the little moments. You know, yeah, we want to knock it out of the park every time. But when my kids grow up and are gone, the only thing I'm going to have is the memories that I made with them while they were in my house. And... It just so happens that one thing that keeps Daddy sane is making memories with them. So unplug. It's, hey, guess what? If it's important, they'll call back. You don't really care what's going on on Facebook anyway because nine times out of ten it just makes you miserable because you're not living that life. So unplug. If you, if you want to play the game, play the game. If you want to do a word search, do a word search. Just find that thing in your life that helps you stay grounded. That's what I got for you.
let, let me throw one more thing out too. Um, Bible says, you know, that we reap what we sow. So don't be a source of anxiety in somebody else's life. Like, y'all see this beautiful cup? Y'all see that? Who's on that? Go Hills. Tar Hills. There's some Duke people and some state people up here that I would just hold this cup up and cause all kind of anxiety. But I'm not going to do that because I don't want to reap anxiety later. But anyway, I we just, just want to. We, we just got to pray for our fellow brothers. And I just want to lay that out to my friends. <laughs> Lord, forgive Tim, for he knows not what he does. <laughs> Lord, he's without excuse. Do what you got to do. <laughs> That's good stuff, guys. Let's give him a hand, all right? Give him a hand. I think this has been some practical stuff that we can do and you guys can do to help you. Um, at this time, we're going to seal it with worship. How about that? Oh, yeah. Come on. We're going to seal it with worship, okay? All right. Thank you, guys. Can y'all move these chairs right over there, if you don't mind? <laughs> Listen to those state fans talking junk. Had to be state fans. <laughs> all right. So all the ones that are leading worship, and those that are not, I want you to come right up here. All right? Right up here. All right. Like I got everybody's like wait over here. Okay, how about we slide a little bit this way, kind of even it out a little bit. Slide this way a little bit. All right. And as they are getting ready to sing, has everybody got a mic? He got rally. Has everybody got one? Y'all good? I'll get I'll give you this one in a minute, okay? All right. So we're gonna seal this thing with worship, guys. Um, what I want you to, to realize that let this night or let this week, I know uh, most of you guys have been here every night. I appreciate you guys coming, I appreciate your the the parents and youth leaders bringing you guys. But what I want you to realize is let this be a launching point for your life. And where God has taken you, realizing that your calling is not just for you to be sitting back idle and doing nothing. Right? We're all preachers. I, and I thought about what Pastor DJ said about um, Paul Lemon. What's everybody called Paul Lemon? Preacher Paul. Because that man proclaims the gospel. He proclaims the gospel to, uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of, of football players, basketball players, baseball players, cheerleaders. He does it for all, I mean, everybody, okay? That's where you can start. If you don't know what you're doing, where God's calling you, that's where you can start. And realize that if you got anxiety, if you're dealing with fear or a thing upon your heart, realize that where, where you are right now, and, and you, you, you got to be plugged in. You got to plug in and tap into what God wants for you. And the best way to do that is how? Anybody? What's it? What's that? Praise. There you go. And that's what we're going to do right here, guys. I remember I told you last night, you guys up here at the altar, if you have to be here every night or every time you get together at your youth group, wherever church you come, go to the altar. 
I had to do it. I had to be there every time I could because I realized that what the way I was living was not good and I had to change. I had to change. And the only way that I could change is to get closer to him because the closer you get to him, the further everything else in life just kind of fades away off your life. It just the things that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. That that person that used to aggravate you, they don't aggravate you no more. Because the closer I get to him, the more I look like him. Okay? So if I put a mirror back here at the back wall, I can't really see myself, right? But the closer I get to that mirror, I begin to see things upon myself. I begin to see that my glasses are out of smudge on them or I may even see I got a pimple on my forehead, right? The closer you get to Jesus, the more he starts revealing things to you about your life and what he wants to do through you, okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to seal this revival. Thank you guys for coming. We're going to seal this with worship as these guys lead you. You ready? Oh, come on. Let's hear your voice. You ready? All right, guys, let's seal it with worship. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for bringing all the youth here, Lord. I pray that we really start to seek our call, God, and that you would just answer our prayers and that we would really um, just sit here and let you work through us tonight, Lord, and minister to you, God. We love you. Thank you.
Thank you. 
So just for the next few moments, I just want you to begin to do that. Come on, I know there's people around you. I know there's there's teenagers around you and friends around you. But come, come, come on, can we just give them a hallelujah and give them a praise? Come on, if you just have to tell him thank you for something that he did for you today. Come on, it might be new for some of you guys because it's hard to thank God sometimes. God, come on, we just thank you for just a moment. Just begin opening your mouth and just tell him what you're thankful for tonight. Jesus, I want you to just give him the biggest shout, jump, yell. Come on, I'm looking for my radical teenagers, the ones who have been affected and changed this week. Come on, if you will say that I have been changed this week, come on, who is ready to take that step? Who has made the decision this week to take that next step? that this week something that was said, something that was sung. I know God spoke to me. Can we? Just, can you just raise your hand for a moment? If God spoke to you in any type of way this week. So now I want you to take the other hand and just give God praise. Come on, young people. Come on, let your sound arise. reading something this week and um that or i seen something this week and it was discussing how 
you're seeing people doing things, athletes, their hundredth game, this is their hundredth home run, or this is their hundredth slam dunk, or this is their hundredth hundredth touchdown, or it's the hundredth sermon that they spoke. But they would not have ever gotten to a hundred if they didn't start with one. If you just didn't start with your first time. So maybe that was the first time that you ever raised your hands and told God, thank you. You know, it's hard. We get so caught up in this. It may be that was your first time. But I just challenge you to begin doing that at your church. Tomorrow, y'all, Sunday morning, whatever you, whatever you, your next opportunity is, be thanking him all through the night. But especially in worship, you just thank God and praise him for who he is and what he's done. And you've done it once. So then the second time will be easier. And the third time will be easier. And the fourth time, it'll all get easier. Or it'll be just a natural thing that you guys do. So we're going to seal this time with prayer. And Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you are. We thank you for every young person that you have uh, poured into. God, I thank you for those in here and that are not here. God, maybe those who have been touched by our live streaming services, God. But the, God, I thank you for those that you have anointed and appointed and you have called, Father God, that some of those have accepted their call this week, God. And those, some of those have learned that they are called, Father God. And I just ask that you be with them, God. Those in, in every single person that is in here, God, to just let us be bold for you, God, to stand up for you, Jesus. God, that, God, that when these kids walk in the room, they are not peer pressure, but they are the peer pressure, Father God. And I thank you, God, that they exemplify you, Father God. Our one thing is to make you famous, Father God. And so making you famous, we want to look, make you look good, and we don't want to disappoint you. So let our actions show the same, Father God. We thank you for everything that has been in here, this, everything that has happened in here this week. I thank you for every leader who has helped, everyone who has helped with food, everyone who has prepared, those doing the children's ministry, God, those doing the music, those doing the sound, those who have been behind the scenes singing. Thank you for the unity in the community of churches that have been involved this week. We know that this is just the beginning and the birth of something great, Father God. We love you. We thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We magnify and we lift your name for you are Jehovah and you are greatly to be praised, God. We thank you tonight and we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We love y'all. See y'all next time. <laughs> it's y'all gotta go.